People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. We immediately, if not sooner, need to talk about this apparent Emrata Pete spotting via Dumois. I know, and you and I haven't even spoken about it yet because we've been saving it, and I actually feel like I'm bursting. I mean, okay, so yesterday on Dumas Sunday Spotted, they posted a DM that said, can't believe I'm saying this, Anon, please, M. Rod and Pete Davidson on a date in Brooklyn together, holding hands and all. His hands were all over her and they're clearly, clearly hooking up. <laughs> okay, top line question before getting into anything else. Do you believe it? Yes. And let me clarify my question. Do you believe that they're potentially hooking up or do you believe this spotting? Okay. And that's an important clarification. What I will say is I believe this because I actually feel like the two of them getting together was almost inevitable in my mind. I will say that I don't think a Dumois spotting without any pictures is enough for me to be like, oh my God, this is a couple. But the general idea of them being together 100%, I believe it. Right. I mean, my skepticism for this actual spotting, I guess, comes from the fact that I would be surprised if they really were at this restaurant, that there wasn't one paparazzi photo or even just a photo taken by an onlooker. But in terms of the general concept of them hooking up, one million percent, this makes the most sense to me. Even if we just want to take it from the most basic level of like what the internet predicted and kind of where this lands in pop culture humor Everyone said, if you're Pete and you're moving on from Kim, the only person he's going to is Emrata. Like, it's almost too classic. I almost can't believe if this is true, that he followed through with exactly what the internet predicted. Right. And the thing was that when Kim and Pete were breaking up, it was the almost exact same time that Emrata and her husband were splitting up and going through their divorce. And that was a conclusion that I think people drew right away. As soon as we knew those two events were going on at the same time, I feel like the whole internet was like, well, obviously Pete and Emrata next. But if you take it from just like their taste, their lifestyles, the fact that they've been friends for a while, I mean, not close friends, but they've worked on things together. She's appeared on SNL. You know, they did a campaign together for a David LaChapelle shoot. Like, To me, this is actually more logical than the memification of it would have you think. Right. And then on top of it all, which is maybe the most simple element here, is that they're both New York-based. And they don't just happen to be New York-based. They're very much New York-based. I would say that being in the city is a huge part of both of their personalities and their identities almost. So to me, that makes a lot of sense because Pete's spending that much time in LA. He was doing it for Kim. But I don't think LA's his place by any means. I think that he would much prefer to date someone that lives in the city. So to me, on the most basic level, that checks out. Also, in everything that Emrata has described, Pete is very much her type. She definitely goes after that like specific brand of hot. Well, it's funny because when this rumor broke, everyone is now resurfacing this now infamous clip of Emrata on Seth Meyers last year. It was almost a year ago today. It was November 9th of last year. And they're talking about you know the Kim and Pete rumors and just Pete in general and why women are so drawn to him. And she says, he's a professional. First of all, you should know that about Pete. And he's got the height. Obviously, women find him very attractive. Guys are like, wow, what's that guy got? And I'm like, I mean, he seems super charming. He's vulnerable. He's lovely. His fingernail polish is awesome. He looks good. He also has a super great relationship with his mom. 
when I tell you I need a TikTok, which is a paparazzi video of them walking, holding hands with that quote overlaid as the audio playing. When you just said a paparazzi photo of them walking, I just got chills all over my body. I cannot wait if this is true for that time period where we like sit back and patiently wait to fully confirm this and we keep getting like snippets of them being out in public, a little bit of them holding hands somewhere, maybe them kissing. Like, do you remember the way that felt when Kim and Pete were first dating and all we were getting were those little pieces of insight? Well, when you actually think about it, technically the first photos we got of when they were holding hands at Not Scary Farm, but that was way before anything was confirmed. I remember myself at least thinking there's no way. And then when it was his birthday and he was in the Skims flannel pajamas in Palm Springs, and then I guess it was the day after we got that paparazzi photo of them holding hands. He's in the same flannel pants and a t-shirt. She's in sweatpants and like a bodysuit. And they were like in some parking lot. And I remember we, we saw those when we were on a plane. I don't know where we were coming back from. And I remember looking at you from across the aisle and being like, Julie, I I think we had like a conference in the bathroom. I'll never forget that moment. Like I will, I'm not kidding him. Never. But that's what you and I were saying the other day when we were having this whole discussion about who Kim is going to date next, where we were saying it almost doesn't matter for two reasons. One, I don't think we'll ever be able to replicate what that feeling of Kim and Pete being together was, but two, the sheer excitement that comes from the glimpses of a paparazzi photo and a Dumois rumor and a spotting, you know, submitted into E! News or people like it's so thrilling. And that's kind of how I feel about this Pete and Emrata situation where, yeah, it's not the same as Kim and Pete. It's never going to carry that level of weight or excitement or pop culture significance. But the idea that we're going to get these little snippets, hopefully, of them walking together, them out to dinner, people spotting them, like that to me is absolutely my favorite like pop culture corner. Yeah. I mean, listen, there is also the legitimate possibility that it ends up being completely untrue, but... I'm willing to ride this wave until proven otherwise because it feels like something that would just make so much sense. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. Like I really, I'm not kidding. When I saw this Dumas rumor, again, it wasn't like I saw it and I was like, oh my God, that's 100% true. I can't believe it. I'm so excited about this relationship because it clearly isn't enough evidence for you to get to that place. But I did have that moment of like, oh, this could really be something for both of them. And by the way, something for both of us. It's not just about them. Right. This, this All of us. Would, yeah, this would feed us, us being the collective whole. I think we're constantly in search of that next thing. That's all pop culture is, by the way. It's just like constantly in search of the next exciting breaking news or coupling or whatever it is. I mean, my instinct is to say the next big couple, but then you have a situation like a Don't Worry Darling drama where you're like, I'm going to be chasing that high for forever. It, the cast drama, the spottings, the interviews, like that's the shit that feeds us. It's all about finding those little niche things that you would never know how to predict. I'll tell you something though, and not to say that I would not be very excited to see a paparazzi photo of Leo and Gigi, since from everything we've heard, it seems like that is really happening and they're seemingly going relatively strong. But if you would have told me 10 years ago, even five years ago, that I would be significantly more interested in a paparazzi photo of Pete Davidson and anyone than I would be of Leonardo DiCaprio and anyone, I would tell you you're crazy. And now, again, not to say I wouldn't be interested, but I am significantly more tuned in to who Pete's being seen with than who Leo's being seen with. I got to tell you, I wouldn't have thought you were crazy five years ago if you had said it. And then just to look at it from the Amrata perspective for a second, we know for a fact that it wasn't this sort of amicable split with her ex. You know, he confirmed cheated on her. And so she's not at all fond of him. And so I absolutely could see if I'm her wanting to go for the quote, nice guy. And as much as Pete pulls more than anyone, he still has the reputation of just being a really kind, genuine guy. So if I'm her, I think additionally, that's also probably appealing. That was my thought as well. And I think that was one of the reasons where when I saw this rumor, I was like, oh, this could be something. It's because her dating P is not her deviating from her typical type. It's not like when Kim started dating P and you were like, well, that's a huge jump from Kanye. Emrata dating Pete is like a small jump and a correction away. 
You know what I mean? It's like very much her type, very much the circle she runs in, very much in her neighborhood, very New York based, what she has expressed her type to be, but somebody who has that reputation of being a very, very nice guy. And so to me, it all lines up to make perfect sense. It's not often, I feel like when you see a new couple like this, where you're able to say, oh, that really aligns with what she or he has described their type to be. And this one, I think really, maybe more than anyone else, honestly, does. Yeah. I mean, the other thing worth acknowledging is that I don't know the extent of Pete's relationship with her ex. I don't know if they were actually friends or if they just kind of ran in a similar circle, but they did know each other. They were at least friendly enough where they had been seen out together before. So uh, clearly, if this is true, they weren't good enough friends for that to matter. But I do think it's just worth mentioning and kind of does go to show how they run in a very similar circle. But the thing I can't help thinking of is like, even as I'm talking to you about this and I'm getting so excited. And like you said, I'm living for this. Like this is the exact pop culture story I cannot get enough of. I'm reminded that we are all spiraling over this based on one DM to Dumas. And not to say that that's false. And again, I very much could see this happening, but it's it's really interesting when you think about it, that we're basically living in a world where headlines and headlines and theories can be made for an anonymous submission. I mean, yeah, when you think about it, I could write something in right now, anonymously, say that I saw somebody together and then start a rumor almost equally as big. I don't think we're going to have to trust that the rumor is true. I think we're going to have to trust that they make enough sense together that that's what we're going off of and that we will eventually see more of them based off of that fact. It wasn't a completely random pairing, which is why I have an easier time believing it to be the case. The setting makes sense. The Brooklyn of it all, being in New York, the two of them make sense. And so I have an easier time following that. But yeah, we have no proof here, obviously. But like, (laughs) for example, had Olivia and Harry been rumored to be dating and seen together off of a Dumois tip. No, I don't think I would have given that as much validity as I'm giving this right now. If this is legit and we get a photo of them in Staten Island, and imagine hypothetically it's at that same restaurant that he apparently took Kim to and they had that private room, I think it was on the rooftop, that will just take me out right now. Let me tell you something. You can convince an LA girl to go to Staten Island. You can't convince a New York girl to. Right. If she's there, <laughs> then we then we know exactly what's going on. If she's there, she's down bad. Yeah. And you can't blame her. No. Wait, one last thing that I want to add, because I feel like you will so get what I mean and agree with this. Recently, Emrata has been more active on TikTok. She's been active for a while now, but I would say recently she's been posting a lot more. And she films a lot of content in her apartment. So we have a pretty good idea of the layout of her apartment, at least the living room. She posts it a lot. Which to me, like really ups the stakes here because it can increase my capacity to visualize. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of Pete's apartment, but I do know exactly what Emrata's green couch looks like. So now imagine them going out for a night and then there's a paparazzi photo of them like outside her building. You can envision what they would look like hanging out or making out on her couch because we know what her apartment looks like. Okay. Amazing point with the TikTok because that actually is a question that I didn't ask you yet. If let's just say they are fully dating. We always predicted that Kim would post Pete. That's just how she uses social media. That was, as the relationship progressed, inevitable. Is the way that Emrata uses social media something that would believe you to draw the conclusion that if they are really dating, that her posting him is inevitable? Uh, yeah. Ooh, inevitable really ups the stakes. But yes, if they are really dating, let's say this is going on for a month or two, I absolutely think he makes some sort of an appearance. Whether that's a TikTok, whether that's a story, or it's a soft launch or a hard launch, yeah. Is the launch done via Instagram or TikTok? See, that's a question I don't have the full answer to, but I will say I think she's really been enjoying the virality that she's been getting from TikTok. Like she's really leaning in. She's going out of her way to stitch things that are going viral, that are making her appear a little bit more relatable. I mean, I think that she's all in on TikTok as a medium. So not to say that Pete would be a pawn in that game, but like 
yeah, maybe she does a TikTok and then to, off to the side, you see like a tattooed arm. I don't know. I don't know if that's the angle she would want to do it or if she'd want to do more of a hard Instagram launch. I just feel like she's really enjoying the spot that she's in with social media right now. You can tell she's kind of in her like post breakup era and she's running with it in the in the best, least judgmental way. So I have to imagine there would be some sort of an inclusion there. Yes. I hope so. <sighs> you and me both. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game-changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Two other relationship things before we get into Jen Addison for Allure. So as we know, last week, Chris Evans is crowned Sexiest Man Alive. And then apparently he has been dating Portuguese actress Alba Baptista for over a year. So this comes out, a source says they're so in love. Chris has never been happier. His family and friends all adore her. And then hours after the news of their relationship broke, there was a photo of them holding hands walking through Central Park. I love a hard launch following a Sexiest Man Alive title. Like that to me is so perfect. And if you go to her Instagram, he's commented on things like it's not secret. I know. I saw that as well. It wasn't a comment that was worthy of posting. It was just a few emojis, one of them being like the emoji that's melting. But it was definitely something that I took note of. And it's definitely something we will be keeping an eye on now going forward for sure. This whole situation, kind of the way that it plays out, really goes to show you that no matter how famous the person is, if they want to keep it a secret, they will. Which is why anytime there's a paparazzi spotting of someone out rumored to be dating in LA or whatever it is, 99% of the time they knew there was going to be paparazzi and wanted that to be shown. Because if you want it to be completely under wraps, you can. You have the means to be able to do that. It's such an important reminder, especially coming off the conversation we were just having about Pete and Emrata. For example, if that is true, they knew exactly what they were doing going out to a Brooklyn public restaurant and making out. Like, Listen, it's not to say that they're doing it for the attention of the public when a couple chooses to be seen. It just means like, I guess they don't care and they go in with the knowledge of that happening. But you're 100% right. Chris Evans and Alba kept this relationship a secret for a year about. 
Right, which I just think is an important thing to add to the conversation because so much of the time we're approaching things from the lens of like, God, those paparazzi just do not let celebrities live. And it's true, they don't. I mean, I cannot even imagine how annoying and intrusive that must feel. But if you really wanted to go completely unseen, you have the means to be able to do it, whether that's a private room, a back entrance, you know, a secret social club, whatever the thing is, you can make it happen if you want. So you're right. It's not with the goal of being seen always, not at all, but it's just with the knowledge and then at times, I guess, the willingness. Right. It's no coincidence that the day that a quote source tells people about their relationship that they are then seen in public walking through Central Park. Like that was obviously all very calculated and very much a move in order for their relationship to be public. Had they wanted to continue being private, they would have continued being private. Like it's not, it's not a situation where Chris Evans is named sexiest man alive and all of a sudden he's like at the front of public attention and we're now seeing an insight into his relationship that we weren't looking for before. I think that the majority of the internet has been trying to pick up on who Chris Evans is dating for a very, very significant period of time. And if it was public to them, they would have found it. Exactly. Exactly. And then speaking of, as we know, Tom and Giselle's divorce has been finalized. And then this last weekend, she was seen in Costa Rica with her two children and her jujitsu instructor, a guy by the name of Joaquin Valench, which as a side note, I looked at his name and I assumed that it was pronounced Joaquin Valente and I went online just to check, ended up on a YouTube video of a podcast that him and his two other brothers do that are also jujitsu instructors. Turns out Giselle has been training with them, I guess, for a while now because earlier this year, she posted a video of her doing jujitsu with them that Tom had actually responded to on Twitter. So one, this is not someone new. I guess she's known him. According to the Page Six article, they're dating. They, they spoke about it as if their relationship was confirmed. I can't say that with 100% certainty, but that would be a fun little plot twist. I love the energy that this has. It's like very suburban mom. Yes, I know. I know. It's like running off with a soul cycle instructor and I like live for that. Well, that was always the best gossip that you heard from like three people down the line of, you know, the parent that left their spouse for like the tennis instructor at the club in the Hampton, something like that. Like it's very much has that energy. I know Tom Brady's kicking himself right now. I was about to say, though, if I'm Tom, oh, not not a good day to be him. He let a good one get away. That's how I feel. Like, I, you know, I don't necessarily feel for Tom in this situation. I mean, I feel for him in the sense that, like, no matter who you are, after being in a relationship for this many years with the person that you assumed you were going to be with for forever, like, it is just a very weird reality to be in. But if you were asking me, honestly, like, whose, quote, side I'm on, it's her any day of the week. I think that he fucked this one up. I mean, I know we're not in it enough to know, but I think if you're assigning blame, he probably take. I, I would say he definitely takes more of it, which isn't a necessarily popular opinion. And I think we had this conversation a few weeks ago when we were saying like, if you talk to a lot of guys about it, they will naturally side with him because in their eyes, he can do no wrong. But I don't know. To me, it's not what she signed up for. No, it's not. And that's why I love this whole story progressing especially her being the one to date somebody first, which I know seems so petty, but it is such an ego check in a situation like this, especially for somebody like Tom Brady. And so I think when you have a divorce and you have a split, especially after this many years of marriage, it's not the fun thing to say there's like a winner or a loser. Like, I don't believe that that's the narrative here, but I do believe that Giselle, who has probably taken a lot for going through with this divorce and probably has a lot of really crazy Tom Brady fans who have been judging her every move and, you know, scrutinizing her and criticizing her. The idea that she kind of gets a one up on them right now and a one up on Tom and the whole situation, I can't lie and say I don't get enjoyment from that. Honestly, for me, the thing I took away from it the most is how happy she looked in these photos, which like, who's to say if she's dating this guy or not, they may just be very close. Obviously, she's known him for a little while now. But I think if I'm her, the way that the public was perceiving their relationship kind of as this gray area for the past few months must have been really frustrating because I think in her mind, it wasn't gray at all. Like clearly she had her mind made up or they both had their minds made up because as we know, the divorce was finalized so quickly and there's no way it would have been finalized so quickly if there hadn't been proceedings done for a little while now. So I think for her, it probably feels very freeing for the public to now not be on board, but to understand exactly where she's at. Whereas I think she's been at that place for a little while now. 
Right. Absolutely. I mean, listen, this new relationship, if that's what it is, didn't just come from, you know, after the divorce papers were signed. This has clearly been brewing for a little while as well, just like the divorce happened. And what has been constantly said throughout the entire proceedings is she gave him an ultimatum. It was retire and they can stay together. And if he doesn't, then this is done. And clearly he chose that he was going to go back to football and I think that when you give an ultimatum that strong, your mind has already been made up. And so there was no question once he did that, what was going to happen here. And you're now seeing this play out for us. It seems very quick for them. It's been going on for a little while now. And, you know, as we were doing our research into their relationship and really exploring the timeline there, this also isn't the first time that they've separated or had issues. And so, yeah, I don't think anything is as quick timeline wise here as it appeared to be. Exactly. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. I really want to talk about this Jennifer Aniston spread for Allure Magazine because before we even get into the content of it, which was very interesting, I think very vulnerable and something I'm excited to discuss, just when the first photos were released and posted on Instagram, it wasn't necessarily a break the internet moment, but it was a moment where the internet banded together to be like, holy shit, this feels like a big deal. Before we even knew that it was for her lore cover that signified their final print issue. Like even before having that piece of information, it just felt like a big deal. So it's funny because I was prepared to say, I think something we get accused of a lot is overusing the word iconic, but something that we really reserve is using the term breaking the internet. And I was prepared to call this a time where like Jennifer Aniston broke the internet. Oh, interesting. What did I say? Almost break the internet? Is that how I refer to it as? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on your definition. I wouldn't say that you were wrong for doing so. It felt like a really big deal, but however you want to actually categorize it, everyone was like, holy shit. I mean, our post that we did with Sarah Foster's comment had so many impressions. I think it was one of our most liked posts of the year. Yeah, I know. I just feel like it's funny. In this article, and something that Jennifer Aniston has actually spoken about prior to this is the idea of there not really being movie stars and it being very social media and TikTok focused. I actually, and we can talk about that in a second, 
a little bit reject that statement. I don't think it's entirely rooted in truth. However, the idea that there isn't another quote, Jennifer Aniston is 100% true to me. And so when you see this shoot of her and she looks, I mean, insane would be an understatement. I think you are reminded of that fact. Well, so this interview was done by Danielle Pargament. The photos were by Zoe Grossman. And in the interview, Danielle writes, earlier I was texting a journalist friend of mine. I told him I was interviewing Addison and I asked him to give me some smart things to say. Quote, one thought is this, he texted. No one's ever going to be famous the way she is. The kind of mass fame phenomenon burning so bright for so long. It's just not achievable today. She's like a silent film star among a generation of TikTok dipshits. I read her the text. Whoa. Oh, that just gave me chills, she says. I'm a little choked up. I feel like it's dying. There are no more movie stars. There's no more glamour. Even the Oscar parties used to be so fun. That line stuck with me as well. Do you think that's the case, though? I don't know if I'm prepared to say it's entirely true because I haven't crafted enough of an argument at the moment to prove that, but I certainly think there's a lot of truth to it. And Honestly, even if you want to remove from the conversation the vehicle with which people become famous today, so for example, here they're talking about TikTok, we can take that out of the equation because one could make the argument that to say people getting famous from TikTok inherently makes them less, quote, glamorous than someone that became famous the, quote, old-fashioned way, you could say that's not fair because that's just the way technology has moved and it's people going with the, the times. I'm not even concerned about that. To me, one of the things that separates Jennifer Aniston or OG Jennifer Aniston fame the most from current day fame is the accessibility. Meaning most of these people that are getting famous in that way have either have been relying on social media so much or after their fame were forced into social media that the public has expected almost a certain amount of accessibility or understanding of their day-to-day, which I think net-net is probably a good thing in the sense of it ups engagement. It makes people feel more invested. It probably has a direct correlation with selling products. But there was something about the untouchable fame of a Jennifer Anderson or Julia Roberts back in the day that I do think created and and instilled this like esteem that is hard to come by these days. I think that's an amazing point. And I completely agree with that. Like I, I think that the idea of a movie star is, I'm not going to say it's dead because my next point is like, it's not dead, but I do think it's harder to come by. And I think that it is a very different type of fame than what we're used to seeing. And I think that if we were having a really honest conversation about that, If you're going to focus on the idea of TikTok fame or social media fame or influencer fame, yeah, that market is completely oversaturated. It's not the same fame that you were once dealing with. However, I feel like when we enter that conversation, what gets lost in that is people like Zendaya, Timothy Chalamet, Florence Pugh. Like, I think it's unfair to say that we don't have those people that exist anymore because I think that we fully do. I just think that when the conversation about fame and young fame and rising stars happen, we leave those names almost out of the conversation and we hyper fixate on the type of fame that we're not used to or the type of fame that has, you know, allowed us to stray from what the traditional sense of fame is. But I think that the idea of a movie star and being an untouchable talent still exists. Like there's no world in which I view Zendaya as touchable to me or as anything other than completely otherworldly. You know what's interesting though? Just, I know you were saying the first three people that came to mind, but you listed Zendaya, Timothy Chalamet, and Florence Pugh. All three of those, while having a social media presence in terms of just having accounts, are very inactive. Do not at all treat their social media as if their audience are their friends. You know, they still do create almost that amount of separation. And I wonder if there's something to be said for that because, I mean, think about it. Beyonce is the same way, right? And then you have like a Kim who you could argue is maybe the most famous person in the world. And the entire way she does fame is by the accessibility and including her followers. But that's how her whole career was built. It's different. You're talking about two completely different sets of crafts here. One is people that got famous for their performative talents. And then one is a person that got famous for just being themselves and the fascination within themselves. I mean, reality TV inherently is opening the public up to your real life. So I know, again, those are the first three people that came to mind, but I do think that that's interesting based on what I was saying earlier. No, it is. And I do think it's person to person, very specific, because you have somebody, for example, like Florence Pugh, who uses social media, not not at all, but definitely not to the extent of 
what you're used to seeing, but at the same time, is still commenting on Zach Braff or ex-boyfriend's photos, something funny about bidding on a Zoom call with him. And so she definitely hasn't entirely strayed away from it. I think that, you know, it's hard to say. Like, I think that, for example, Timothy Chalamet, he uses social media in almost waves where sometimes he'll talk to people through his Instagram story and he'll post funny things and he'll be joking or he'll only promote movies. But it's not a stagnant only one. No, but I do think that the one consistent among those three people mentioned is that they're never showing you like the inside of their bathroom, for example, you know, like, yeah, maybe Timothy will post a mirror selfie that could be taken in his apartment, but you're never really getting that full access. And it's, listen, as, as the person consuming it, I'm split on it because obviously I want as much access as physically possible, but I'm also prepared to admit, unfortunately, that maybe some of that lack of access or lack of openness does contribute to that feeling of of additional fame and kind of esteem. Like for however long we can remember, we've heard about George Clooney's Lake Como home. You've never seen him posting from the inside of his Lake Como home. And if he did, that would probably take away some of the prestige of it. But you know what's really interesting about this conversation? And not all of them, but a lot of them in terms of the older celebrities that we consider to be movie stars have now moved into that social media space. So the argument is almost inherently flawed, but also really interesting to explore where it's like, you have a Jennifer Aniston who's talking about how social media has almost killed that idea of massive mega celebrity and superstardom and movie stardom, but she is on social media. Nicole Kidman's on social media. Reese Witherspoon is super active on social media. Like various people who... It are almost being presented as above social media are now on it. And then you have the examples that I listed, which is, yeah, they're on social media, but they don't use it in that way. I know, but I think it's it's a it's a different argument because we're talking about the rise of like how they got there at at the most pivotal moments in their career or at their most famous. They weren't using social media, but that's also because it didn't exist in this way or at all. You know, no, like I, I don't think I don't think that you can compare the way that like a Jennifer Aniston is using social media now when she has paid her dues versus someone who's in maybe the height of their career, kind of, you know? No, of course. I mean, it's a fascinating conversation, especially in terms of the way that forget about fame, impacting fame, start of fame. It's just a really interesting conversation in terms of the way that people use social media. Wait, 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 wait. Oh my God. How did we just say Zendaya and Timmy in the same sentence and not talk about Petra? Because I've been trying to forget about it. Okay. So Julie and I were in Tel Aviv last week. And for the weekend, we went to Petra. My dad had always wanted to go and we finally had the chance to go. So we went all of us together and we're there. I mean, it's beautiful. It's one of the wonders of the world. It is absolutely magnificent. We stayed in Aqaba. We went to Petra for the day. And we leave. We're like, wow, that was so incredible. We get back to Tel Aviv on Sunday. (laughs) And who is in Petra? None other than Zendaya, Tom Holland, and fucking Timothy Chalamet. Literally 24 hours after we were there, which is like the most random. It's not like we just happened to be passing American Bar and they were there. I mean, we're talking all the way in Jordan. And when we were there on Saturday, on our way out, there was like a film crew and they weren't filming anyone, but they were, I mean, clearly there for a little while. And we, we made note of it. We wondered like what they were doing. And when we left, we were saying, you know, it's very possible that they were kind of like surveying some of the, the area because they would have to be filming there tomorrow. I don't know. I know that they're in production for Dune right now. So it was probably being filmed somewhere around there. And they went to Petra because how could you be there and not go? But like, what are the odds of that? When I saw Timothy Instagram and I swiped and it was him in front of like, what, what is it? The treasury building of Petra. I was like, no, there's no way. I, I have to be dreaming. Could you imagine him? We are in Petra with your dad. And all of a sudden we were to look over and see Tom Holland, Zendaya and <laughs> Timmy. We wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. I would honestly think that I was hallucinating. <laughs> Me, you, my dad, and Timothy in the middle of Petra. Like, that's my favorite crew. <laughs> that's my dream. 
Oh my God. I, I know there's like nothing to do with that story. We just had to tell someone because it was so bizarre. And also we had decided like a week in advance. This wasn't like a trip that we had been planning for a year. It was like my dad was going and I was like, there's no world in which he at 70 is going to have this first time experience. And I, I'm not going to be there for him. Like how special is that to be able to do that together? And it all ended up working out. So I, yeah, that is so crazy. I am so sorry, Julie, that I couldn't get you that for your birthday. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> no, you know, it was crazy. We first saw the photos of Zendaya and Tom. We didn't even know Timothy was there. And we were already like losing it just from that. And then like five minutes later, he Instagrams from there. We're like, no fucking way. I know. Yeah. Anyway, back to Jennifer Addison. <laughs> we are all over the place today. I know. I love that though. So like I said earlier, this was Allure's final ever print issue, which to me, it feels only fitting that Jen Addison was the cover star for this. But in it, I mean, she talks about a bunch of things, but she talks about her journey with pregnancy and infertility. And I just want to read a few paragraphs from the article. Quote, I would say my late 30s, 40s, I'd gone through really hard shit. And if it wasn't for going through that, I would have never become who I was meant to be, she says. That's why I have such gratitude for all those shitty things. Otherwise, I would have been stuck being this person that was so fearful, so nervous, so unsure of who they were. And now I don't fucking care. Maybe I look confused. She explains, I was trying to get pregnant. It was a challenging road for me. The baby making road, says Aniston of a period several years ago. On the scale of dumb things to say, this is the moment when I really hit it out of the park. I had no idea. Yeah, nobody does, she replies graciously. All the years and years of speculation, it was really hard. I was going through IVF, drinking Chinese teas, you name it. I was throwing everything at it. I would have given anything if someone had said to me, freeze your eggs, do yourself a favor. You just don't think it. So here I am today. The ship has sailed. I have zero regrets. I actually feel a little relief now because there is no more, can I? Maybe? Maybe? I don't have to think about that anymore. Back then and for years, there were headlines swirling through pop culture that Aniston wouldn't have kids, that she wasn't interested or she just wanted to be a star or whatever idea was selling that week. Adding to the personal pain of what she went through was the, quote, narrative that I was just selfish, she says. Quote, I just cared about my career, and God forbid a woman is successful and doesn't have a child. And the reason my husband left me while we broke up and ended our marriage was because I wouldn't give him a kid. It was absolute lies. I don't have anything to hide at this point. And I just quickly want to give a little timeline. She was married to Brad Pitt from 2000 to 2005. They started dating in 1998 when she was 29, and she was 36 when they split. And then she married Justin Thoreau from 2015 to 2017. They started dating in 2011. So she was 42 when they began dating and 48 when they split. Just to kind of give some context to what she's talking about in terms of the rumors and everything happening while she was in these relationships. What, what was your reaction to this? So I would be lying if I said that this wasn't something that I had been wondering for a very long time. I have very, very distinct memories of being very young and my mom being curious about it and us talking about it. And, you know, this entire idea of Jennifer Aniston and her not, I wouldn't even call it a fertility journey because it was behind the scenes information that we had never gotten. Just the idea of, is she going to be a mother? Is that something she desires was almost like a folktale legend because everyone had their own story. Everyone had their own opinion of what happened. Everyone had their own, you know, theory about what it had to do with her divorce with Brad Pitt. And so her talking about this and sharing her story and really setting the record straight here, I think was a lot more significant than just here's the truth of what happened. And it really put, I think, years and years of wondering and rumors to rest in a way that I don't necessarily know if people realize or remember the extent to the way that this was discussed. Well, in the article, after she's talking about it, Danielle, the interviewer says, I have flashes of every magazine rack, every airport newsstand, those Jen has a baby bump or equivalent headlines were everywhere, including Allure. We all felt entitled to the cellular happenings inside her uterus. We consumed those headlines, then dropped them in the trash and just got back to our lives, but she couldn't. And then it references the op-ed that she wrote for the Huffington Post in 2016, kind of like slamming the media for its obsession with not only her being pregnant, but kind of women in general and their treatment of women. And in that op-ed, she said, I, I think it was something like, I am content with or without a baby, but she never gave the details of this as she did in, in this article. It's a very, sorry, I have so many thoughts right now. It's it's a very full circle moment for the writer of this article to reference the many headlines, including Allure, while writing this article, which is their 
last ever print piece and now having Jen share her story. You know what I mean? Like it, it's a small thing, but to me, it's almost representative of like the 180 or not the full 180, maybe you want to say the 150 that media has done generally speaking. Because in order to, in order to, I think, be realistic about the way things are covered now, you also have to be honest about the role that you played in that, either as the publication, aka Allure here, or as the consumer, which like, yeah, you and I talking about this on a podcast now, obviously we have a very different attitude to it than when we were just ourselves, you know, consuming these articles, reading them in the grocery lines with our moms at at the register and trying to maybe look at a photo and see if it looked like she was pregnant. I mean, to, to think back on that, it's disgusting, right? But like, that was a thing that I think we on some level did. Of course. And, you know, it it was really different when it came to Jennifer Aniston. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that moms were obsessed with Jennifer Aniston. Like I use Aveeno products to this day because my mom used Aveeno products. And I know for a fact my mom used Aveeno products because of Jennifer Aniston. And I feel like when I bring that up to a lot of people, they have the exact same sentiment. There was just something different about Jennifer Aniston and the impact that she had on our moms when we were growing up. And so I feel like the consumption and the obsession with her at that time really played into all of that. And I think that I think back to Jennifer Aniston during that time where I think that people didn't have that boundary in place in the slightest of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to say about a woman's body and think about a woman's body, especially when it comes to motherhood. And all of these moms and all of these women who were so obsessed with her, I think they always had in their head this idea that Jennifer Aniston would be such an incredible mom. And so it was the idea of you know, the Brad Pitt divorce being one of the biggest events in Hollywood, coupled with their own obsession with her as a person and what they thought she was to be. And it's very, very fascinating looking back on that now. Yeah, it's both fascinating and honestly really saddening. Like that line in that article really hit for me when she says, you know, we consume these headlines and then we can throw the magazine in the trash, whereas for her, she can't do that. And it's just all of these years of speculation, of curiosity, of assumptions. And like you said, so much of that was based in this idea that like we we as the public know or think you would be such a good mom that you're doing a disservice by not doing that, which is like such a deeply problematic thought for so many different reasons. So it's like these projections that then fueled the curiosity to, in a way that I just, I don't know, reading this really brought me back. Yeah, me as well. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. 
Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. The last thing we really wanted to touch on is obviously last week we spoke about the tragic passings of both Takeoff and Aaron Carter. But last week was Takeoff's funeral. It was in Atlanta at the State Farm Arena. It was a three-hour send-off with, I mean, the magnitude of fame in that room to celebrate his life and to mourn his loss was really overwhelming. But on top of that, you know, both Quavo and Offset spoke. And last week how we were saying, like, this is not just a rap group. This is family. They have been raised pretty much as brothers since the time that they were little kids. And just to watch these men go through it was so heartbreaking. And like, you know, as we were saying last week, Offset was not on good terms with with Takeoff before his passing, so much to the point where the Migos had practically broken up. Like Quavo and Takeoff formed their own group called Unkin Few. And to see Offset standing up there, we can see he's just in so much pain to the point of pretty much disbelief that this is even occurring. Like I... Death in general is so hard, even when you have nothing but a beautiful relationship with them up until the very end, that on top of that, when something like this happens, the capacity to feel guilt, I think, is so huge. And I just, I know there's nothing to say. I just feel so fucking bad for everyone involved. This is so sad and so avoidable. Like, it was a dice game. There was a verbal argument over a dice game, and then someone opened fire, and now this guy is dead. Like in one second, the entire course of his life changed and ended and now everyone around him is is left devastated. It's like, it's so fucked up. This is such a deeply upsetting and I mean, truly, truly tragic situation and so unbelievably avoidable, like you said. And I think that's the part that I'm, and I'm sure a lot of other people are having the hardest time wrapping their head around. And to know that this was over a dice game and somebody just opened fire, I mean, it makes it really, really difficult to comprehend. It's really, no, it really, really does. I, you know, they, they made the choice to not live stream the funeral, which I totally understand and think, you know, the family has every right to not do that. But the glimpses that we did see in, in, in terms of what was released was just devastating. And I said it last week, but again, just our hearts are, are with families and anyone that was impacted by this. He seemed like from everything we've heard, just a really kind guy, like a kind guy that wanted no trouble. That's the way everyone described him. Like the quietest guy in the room, just kind of happy to be there. And it would be devastating if it happened to anyone, but specifically just hearing the way he was described. It's, it's really, really tragic. Yeah. Anyway, I know it's a kind of a really upsetting note to end on, but I just, I had to say that because I was watching the, from the funeral and I just, I don't know. My heart was really hurting for them. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention? I think that's it. Okay. Well, we will be back on Thursday for Kardashians. And then Isabel and I will be back on Friday for Bravo. And don't forget, Kardashians this week is Matt Gala. Oh my God. Yes. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. 